Hello, hello, hello. I am your Gabriele Bertaccini, hostess with the mostest Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to... Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. <laughs> goosebumps. <laughs> BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I am your hostess with the mostest, Munoz, and I know what you're all are thinking. Where the hell was the podcast last week? Well, you know what? For for the first time in forever, um, I was having technical difficulties and the mic wasn't working. The person didn't show up. The, it was one thing after the next. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And... I This year, five years into it, I have decided, I have made a conscious choice to be less stressed out about social media, including this podcast. As we all know, this podcast is my baby. I love it to death, and it certainly can cause me some anxiety and stress. And so I just let go and let God last week. But we are back and better than ever ever. Um, and yeah, that's what's happening. Um, the weather here in New York is crazy. Um, I feel like I need to be Sam Champion because it's been going from hot to cold to cold to hot, and it's really odd. And what else? Um, your girl has been um, dry since, since I came back from Thailand. I needed a break, and I feel good. It feels good. You know what I've read recently that I was that really caused me pause a little think a little think about it moment I read something on the internet or on Instagram the other day that said that alcohol is the new smoking weed is the new alcohol and mushrooms are the new weed think about that is it true well we'll get into it with my special guest today because I'm really, really excited to have her on. And so we're just going to get to it. So without further ado, please help me welcome the one, the only, Sylvia Barban. Say hi. Ciao a tutti. Hey, ciao a tutti. Allora, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> 
Como stai? Como stai? Tutto bene, come stai? Oh, tutto bene. I love it. I love it. You gave me chills. The, the, the couch is moist. I love I love a little Italian on this podcast. Oh, oh, anytime, say it, anytime. Say it again. It's a, it's like I feel like Whoopi Goldberg in um in The Lion King. Fasa. Ooh, say it again. <laughs> Se vuoi parliamo in italiano. Oh my goodness. We can't, we can't do this. We can't do this all in Italian. Maybe Spanish. But <laughs> for another episode. For another episode, we're going to keep that. Absolutely. Shout out to all the Italian listeners out there because there are some. I can see it in the analytics. There are some. Thank you so much for being here. How are you today? I'm great. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, wonderful. Very excited. You know what? It's It's been a long time coming. You know, in your mouth, listeners, you know, I love to slide into a DM respectfully. And depending if you're cute, sometimes disrespectfully. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I have been chasing Miss Sylvia for a minute. And then when Eric C was on the podcast, shout out to you, Eric, the cutie patootie. Um, he told me to reach out again. And now we are here. The pasta queen herself has graced us with her presence. Listen, Sylvia, before we get anywhere, I just got to do what I got to do. So welcome to In Your Mouth and in the grand tradition of In Your Mouth, I need to wish you happy National Margarita Day. That's perfect. My favorite cocktail. Yes. Well, besides it, Negroni and Spritz, but obviously Margarita. Oh, not, not Negroni Spagliato. <laughs> not right? Spagliato. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. What a great day. It's a great day. I feel very I, lucky to be on Margarita Day. Right? Do we need do we need to like press pause and go make one? I think <laughs> I think we do. <laughs> Who cares if it's at eight o'clock in the morning? Like, you know? <laughs> we don't care. I mean no. <laughs> what now, you were you saying before about alcohol and uh, mushroom and everything? Oh yeah, <laughs> what do you think about that? Do we think is that is this the route we're going? Is alcohol the new smoking and weed the new alcohol and now mushrooms the new weed? How do we feel? I I I, I feel kind of right. Or oh, is it? Yeah, I think um, it can make sense. It makes sense. It does, right? Because now, ever since weed has been legal here in. New York City, and when I go visit my bestie in San Francisco, we live this, like, a little edible, you're vibing, yeah. you don't feel crazy, you don't wake up crazy, the alcohol's at a minimum, you know? Yeah. Maybe these people are right. I don't know. Maybe I they haven't, are. <laughs> I haven't been on a mushroom journey. Have you been on a mushroom journey? Um, I've been once in a mushroom journey. Uh, yeah. You know what we say? We say here on In Your Mouth, we do not support the use of illegal drugs anywhere. <laughs> and if you are partaking in anything, please consult your doctors or whatever. Right? Do it safely. I don't. I don't know. Right? We are not telling you to do anything. Like but... champignon mushroom, you know? Yeah, champignon. Yes, champignon. A little, a little portobello. You know? Correct. <laughs> You know they put them in chocolate bars now and things. I don't know. I'm I'm very curious of to try a truffle. You know <laughs> to go yeah, truffle to try hunting. A truffle, truffle hunting. <laughs> yes, yeah. you know, call yeah. me a truffle pig. I've been called <laughs> worse. Um, but but yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm curious, but 
I think I think there's there's something to be said about this. But back to National Margarita Day. Are we spicy margarita? Skinny margarita? Regular margarita? Cadillac margarita? Spicy margarita. Always, right? Always. There's nothing like, but listen, you can mess up a good spicy margarita, right? Yeah. Like the person needs to know what, what they're doing. Yeah, they do. It's like there is different level of spiciness. It's like sometimes it's like, I know this needs to be spicy, but we need to drink it also, all of it. Yeah, my lips are burning. <laughs> I can't, I like, there's no, there's no enjoyment of this. I enjoy a skinny spicy, right? You get that yeah. little heat. It's not overly sweet, you know? I agree. I, I like skinny spicy too. Yeah. Keeps the, keeps the waistline in check. You know, you don't wake up, you don't wake up with that sugar hangover. True, true, true. Yeah, yeah. This is a good day. This is a (laughs) very, very good day. Well, you're in luck because today's a double day and it's also National Cook a Sweet Potato Day for some reason. Ooh, Sweet Potato Day. Yeah. Do, is there a lot of sweet potato in Italian cooking? No. uh, Actually, you know how we call sweet potato in Italy? No. We call it patata americana. So like, uh, what did you potato. call me? <laughs> <laughs> we call it American potato um, because it's from the America. So, yeah. hmm. and uh, I will remember as a child, my mom will cook some of sweet potato for a snack, like in the afternoon, and that would be a treat because. You know, back in the day when I was young, it wasn't like a common thing to have avocado, sweet potato in Italy like yeah. it is now. So it's like yeah. the sweet potato would be like, oh, thank you, mom. It would be such a like, you know, you did good at school. Here are sweet potato. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Sweet potatoes as a treat. I haven't had a sweet potato in forever. Sweet potato chips, sweet potato fries, <laughs> sweet potato. Have you had sweet potato pie? Sweet potato pie, no. No, Patty LaBelle makes these sweet potato pies from oh, the yeah. at Walmart. Very apparently very popular. I've not my thing, but sure. All right. I, do, All right. I love sweet potato fries. Sweet potato fries. You know what? I'm I'm a regular French fry or a truffle fry guy. Back to the <laughs> mushrooms. Everything leads back <laughs> to the mushrooms. Well, listen, no yeah. matter what you celebrate, whether it's National Margarita Day, National Cook a Sweet Pea. Potato Day, or or just um, truffle hunting. <laughs> today we celebrate you. And moving right along to this day in gay history, it's a weird one today, I think. But um, I chose this for a very specific reason. Uh, in 1979, Studio 54 throws a gala, a 52nd birthday party for closeted gay attorney and former former McCarthyite Roy Cohen. He apparently was this terrible person. The event draws several hundreds of city luminaries, including Donald Trump, Barbara Walters, and members of both Democratic and Republican parties, right? Why I chose this, right? Because apparently Roy Cohen was like a political (laughs) fixer and he worked for Trump and he like prosecuted homosexuals and like he was part of that like digging out when they were like accusing people of being communists and putting them to trial, Right. Yeah. Homosexuality was part of that. But yet he was gay. Terrible. Um, Barbara Walters at Studio 54. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> iconic gay moment, even though she wasn't gay. But like, was Barbara Walters doing the drugs? Do you think? I mean, 
1979. <laughs> like, Sounds ooh. like uh, the time of it. Like, you know, I'm just picturing, because, uh, you know, we always picture, and may she rest in peace, icon Barbara Walters, you know, very buttoned up, very proper, yeah. very ladylike, right? But now picturing Barbara Walters at Studio 54 next to Liza Minnelli, right? And all these other people with, like, uh, mounds of cocaine everywhere and God knows what yeah. else, you know? <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> Well, shout out to you on this day <laughs> in gay history, Barbara Walters. You are missed and beloved. But I want to get to the getting on and the most important person, Miss Sylvia. Hailing from Northern Italy, Chef Sylvia Barbon has a penchant for bringing people together through her cooking. Graduating from Emagia Stresa Culinary School, Sylvia found her way in the kitchen of the maestro of... Italian cuisine, Galtiero Marchese. She worked as a pastry chef, learning to cook modern and traditional dessert for Giancarlo Perbellini. You're putting my Italian to the (laughs) test here. You're doing great. You're doing great. Thank you. And later moved into the kitchen as chef de partie. In 2012, she jumped at the opportunity to move to New York for the grand opening of Giovanni Rana Pastifico e Cucina. Uh, Two years later, she received an offer to become executive chef at Aita in Brooklyn, uh, where she directed the restaurant using fresh local produce to create traditional and modern Italian dishes. In 2016, she competed in season 14 of Bravo's Top Chef. Yes. At the same time, she decided to open a new restaurant, Larina Pastifico Evino in Fort Greene, Brooklyn, as chef and co-owner, where she uses the inspiration of her childhood in northern and southern Italy, as well as her current travel travels in her dishes. She also has appeared in many a publication I just recently found out (laughs) during all my digging here. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. I also saw across the board in my research that people refer to you as the pasta queen. Where did we get this title? And I love it. Welcome, uh, Your Highness. I guess, <laughs> I guess, because my Russian is a pasta Russian, and uh, I love making pasta, and uh, that's a little by little, you know, uh, voice in the streets. You know, the streets are talking about my pasta, and I don't say, you know, I just go for it. I just oh. stay in the way. <laughs> oh yeah, she's a badass in the streets of pasta. <laughs> I'm picturing a lot of pasta graffiti all of a sudden. <laughs> Where does the love of cooking come from? The love of cooking come from uh, when I was a child, I was a very hyper kid. And uh, my grandma was the one taking care of me. And I was about, yeah, I was very little. My parents were working. And so I was running around always all the time. And the other way to let me chill down was either give me water and wine you know, six years old, it's fine. Everything is okay. Water, yeah. wine. <laughs> and then the other way was cooking with her. So then uh, when she would be like, come here, sit down with me. So we'll cook with my grandma. And my grandma was a great cook. And uh, later on, when I was about 10, she passed away because uh, of cancer. And uh, I was like, okay, if she's not cooking anymore for all the family and make everybody happy, who is going to do that? 
So already when I was little, at 10, I already decided to be a chef. And I was like, I want to do what my grandma was doing for the family, make everybody happy around the table. I want to do that, but just like in a larger scale. Because I feel like food can change your day. So I yeah, want to do often- that. Over the past five years, and I forgot to mention because of last week's uh, technical difficulties, we were supposed to celebrate five years of In Your Mouth weekly. Congrats. Five years, five years of a love of a, a passion project. You're the pasta queen. I'm the food podcast queen. Listen, we're, we're just surrounded by royalty today. Royalty. You're royalty. <laughs> But we often talk about the effects of food and how every major life event kind of happens or, and is centered around some sort of culinary experience, whether it's whether it's chips and ice cream from a breakup or some meal, you know, celebrating something or, you know, cooking through your grief or whatnot. So that really, really resonates to us what what would you say was like the most iconic or most memorable dish that your grandmother kind of left you with that carried you forward um that's uh, roasted potatoes which it seems like an easy thing but my grandma will put a lot of sage and then it will put it will be like big chunks of potatoes she will boil it first and then she will finish it with like garlic like whole garlic too it was roasted in the oven and cloves and breadcrumbs. And it's like such a special recipe that I, that was like one of the first recipes I was trying to recreate. And then when I got to the point, then I was like, you know what? I don't want to do it because then I don't want to cancel that memory of my grandmother making those potatoes. And I never, and I never tried again. Really? Never. Yeah. Oh, wow. How interesting. Interesting. Did you say cloves? Yeah, cloves. Cloves and garlic and sage. Now I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that sounds that sounds delicious. That sounds that really, really sounds delicious. So grandma teaches you, right? And inspires you. When do you make the decision to actually take this on and go to culinary school? Yeah, so in Italy, things works in a different way. So like when you're about 15, you decided what, who you're going to be for the rest of your life. What do you want to do? So like at 15, I decided to go to Emaggio Stereza, so the best culinary school in like Europe. It was actually the first culinary school in all Europe back in the day, uh, before me, like mm-hmm. At the beginning of the yes, because era of because we're twenty, <laughs> we are twenty, we are twenty six and glowing. <laughs> yeah, um, and so then uh, I started to do that, and uh, after I do the culinary school, is about five years, and that's when I went to Gualtiero Marchesi, which is is the pillar of the Italian cuisine. So like, there was no restaurants without Gualtiero Marchesi. There was no Naval cuisine without him. Uh, he's basically, you know, the Thomas Keller of United States. He's like the person that, like Italy before was just Osteria or like just traditional places. There was mm-hmm. not like a Michelin star restaurant. His was the first Michelin star restaurant. So he was like the maestro. He was the master. I love and then that. After, after working, basically learning all the basics of 
culinary. Um, then that's when I started to work for Giancarlo Perbellini, my other mentor. And uh, he was taking like more modern. Um, and uh, he's still my mentor. Like I talked to him. He has a two mission star restaurant in, uh, in Verona and he created like an empire. Like he has like now 10 restaurants. And uh, with him, I came to the United States about now. It's been 11 years almost. Oh, oh you're official New Yorker by, uh, yeah. by like the standards, they say, right? They say 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. 10 years. Well, congratulations. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take a pivot for a second because you obviously have had grand successes, right? Moving, uh, just moving here, cooking here, uh, you know, being head chef, head, head sous chef at many a delicious place here and then on to being on Top Chef, right, for a hot minute. Yeah. And then we talk a lot here about kitchen culture, right, and how being behind the line is somewhat difficult just to begin with, right, and then being uh, of the LGBTQ nature, right, behind the line kind of puts a different spin on it and... And makes it possibly makes it a little bit more difficult. What has it been your experience like kind of navigating being LGBTQ behind the line? Uh, I feel like I'm like I I didn't come out that long ago. So I come out about six years ago. So I'm always been in my restaurant. And so I feel like is is a different experience for me compared like to other people that then they need to go like in a different place in a different space. I'm I'm creating my space. That's my space. So if you do don't you like certain that, things, you, you can th- just go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that it's that the that the culture is changing since you're so like deep rooted into it? Um, I feel like the culture is changing, but also there is many people that are not changing. There are still those people that they they don't understand yeah so that's for sure so what do you think the answer is <laughs> um i don't know i feel like it's a uh, back and forth i don't think uh, we're like it's always like it feels like you make two steps forward and then you do one back i was uh, early this morning i was actually just talking um uh, with my friend karen she has she's a chef in boston and we were talking about how, you know, I saw this article that um, the sperm donor of this couple now had got custody of the children of, you know, they give birth to these children and it's their children. And and now it's not anymore their children because of the sperm donor. It's like, it's insane. Like, you would never think something like that in, in these days to happen. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like two step forward. It's like, yes, everybody love to be gay. Everybody, like the new generation is like out there with their sexuality, but then these things happen. Yeah, it's it's really insane. And I saw that article too. Um, and shout out to that couple. That's a lesbian couple out there, right? May they find some peace and some resolve yeah. in this matter. Um, uh, and hopefully quickly. But... Yeah, it's, you know, 
there's so many people that have been on this podcast that I've had the pleasure of speaking with that have left the line for for that reason and just started their own thing to to be able to not only be who they are but to kind of change the culture and to and to and to just have their own space without the the outside effects of what other people think kitchen culture should be you know does yeah. that make sense and and so it's just really interesting and i i like asking the question to people who are like you who are deep in the throes of of owning and and you know guiding and mentoring and have had such successes as you have. Um, I always say uh, we never know who's listening and who our stories can affect. Would you mind talking to me about your coming out story? Yeah, my coming out story was about six years ago. I feel like uh, t- Top Chef changed a lot of things. Uh, when I, after Top Chef is like a year after, like I I start to see someone and then understood like. There was always something there, but then never, I just never wanna, I, I was never able to do that extra step. And I feel like the, the, after all those challenges in like, in a, in, in the kitchen, then I found myself to find a challenge with myself. And, uh, my coming out story was, um, hard on myself. Just, I created these things in myself and it was hard for my family because being from Italy, um, Catholic, very close-minded. Um, and uh, I was at the time seeing w- with my ex-girlfriend and I really wanted to introduce her to my family. And uh, I couldn't travel to Italy when that happened. So I just decided to do it just in a simple FaceTime. And I feel like um, the my my dad was the one that took it like, Okay. Oh, my dad actually was here in the States when I told him and he was the first one to say it to him. And he was like, okay, if you're happy, I'm happy for you. Can you help me change? Like, I'm looking for the charger. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that was with him. So it was super smooth and like great. Uh, the harder one was actually with my mother and my sister um, because... Um, my mom, like, I mean, they were like understanding it was all FaceTiming, but then, uh, things happened when, which I didn't know about it. And my mom took it very badly. Um, I feel like she went very low, like, I'm not saying like depressed, but like she wasn't talking to anybody because her thing is about what about my grandchild, you know, these kind of things. And, um, but she didn't exterior that with me. So in the moment of she understood and then she just keep everything for herself. Um, but now little by little, I guess we're getting back on track. And uh, with now my partner is like also like the person that want to, you know, be together. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like more, she's like more understanding of that. Um Let's see when there's going to be children involved. <laughs> yeah. Listen, we love to see it. And, you know, again, right, we talk about all sorts of things here, but like co- coming out is this never ending process, you know? Yeah. For yourself, for yourself, and then to other people, right? And, and that's important to understand. We as, 
especially we as LGBTQ people, right? The younger generation, like it's just not this one thing, right? That is just like, okay, I'm out, right? It's it's this never ending process. There are people that are going to take time. There are people that are not going to understand. And then there are people that are going to love you, right? Period, right? Yeah. And it's just this complicated thing. And like I said, we never know who's listening. And I think these are the stories, all of them, right? And we don't qualify stories here, but it's from every kind of shade of coming out, we need to hear, right? The, the great stories, the not so great stories, the terrible stories, all of it, right? Because it it creates this full picture of what, what it is and an understanding and that everybody's journey with it is really, really different, right? And not is, necessarily, yeah. and sometimes by choice, but not necessarily by choice because you're, you're trying to stand in your truth and what, what ripples that causes in your life, you don't necessarily have control over. Yeah, for sure. So, A, thank you for um, letting me carry that and being so vul- vulnerable with us in telling us that. I think it's really, it's just really important. Um, and I want to kind of leave it there because I think that's lovely. And take a quick break. I think we actually need a margarita. So we're going to take a quick <laughs> break. I think we're going to take a quick break and shake up a skinny spicy. And we're going to be back with my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, Sylvia, I hope you're ready for my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast. A little something we like to call food news update. Ooh, honey, you ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. News update. Two hard-to-find Italian pasta shapes are hitting the shelves in the U.S. and one entirely new shape. I didn't even know that, like, new pasta shapes were a thing. They, they are. I saw, I saw that article, too. It's, it's great. I love but, that. But more wait. pasta shapes. More, more, more. <laughs> Why do we need more pasta shapes when we already have all the pasta shapes? You never know. It's never all of them. There is always a new pasta shape for a new sauce. A new pasta. Wait, you're telling me that there are new sauces too? <laughs> Every day, you know. Every day a new sauce is born. Uh, every day. You need. <laughs> okay. Pause one second. That's that's some merch for you right there. Put that on a t-shirt. Every day a new sauce is born. I can see it. In some cute little script, I would wear it. Send me one. I'll, I'll help I, you promote. I actually, I actually just come out with a sauce. I, I saw that too. We were going to talk about that. Hold on, we'll talk <laughs> about that after food news update. But I'm still stuck. We, we just got rid of the, um, of the tiny pot, the pastinas. The pastina. Right? But why? Pastina is so good. Pastina is delicious, but yet we need these new shapes. I, yeah. I am very confused here. And then new shapes are also like I think like one is a volcano kind of thing. It's like one is from Sicily, and the other yes. one is yeah something like that. 
So apparently, hold on, where is it? I I lost it in the thing. Okay, here we go. So apparently pasta manufacturer uh, Svolini is teaming up with the Sporkful podcast creator and host Dan Pashman to add three, three new pasta shapes to your pantry. The two existing pasta shapes hitting the brand's roster are Quattrotini and Vesuvio. And then, the, and then the other one is called Cascatelli. Yeah. So apparently the Quattrotini and the Vesuvio are pasta shapes that already exist. Exist, but, yeah. But are very hard to find. And the Cascatelli is the new one? I guess, yeah. I've, oh. I've seen some of those already. Yes. Well, first and foremost, um, have you had this uh, Sfolini pasta? They're very delicious. I haven't. The, this pasta brand? I, uh, no, because um, so when I opened uh, Larina, basically what I wanted to do at the beginning was actually make also pasta in a bigger production. And Sfolini was just started too. So mm-hmm. I always felt like... A competition kind oh, of thing. <laughs> oh, wait, there's drama in these streets. The pasta queen is like, no, ma'am, I'm not, you know, she's like, so forget then, them. <laughs> Trash. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We love to start some shit on this podcast. Don't worry. I will start a feud for you. <laughs> I never try, so I cannot say anything. You know, oh, I cannot okay. say if it's good or bad. All right. Right, we're, we're we're keeping neutral here. I see you. I see. We see each other. <laughs> All right, but wait a minute. So this quattrotini looks like four rotinis attached to like a bigger rotini. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not only is it a little. You know what it looks like? It looks like a Star Wars like little thing, and I'm not even into sci-fi, but it looks like a Star Wars like spaceship. Spaceship, like, yeah. That looks like something that's very complicated to make. To make. I mean, I I guess they just create an extruder and they make it, but uh, I yeah. don't know for the, like, I don't know which sauce will go with it. I know. I mean, the cascatelli... It's like a soup. In a soup. Seems, seems like the most reasonable, right? Because it has like these, it has like a tunnel, like an open tunnel. It's It looks yeah. like a like a like a a folded lasagna shape, like a yeah. skinny lasagna thing. I don't know. And then the Vesuvio looks like a volcano. Like, what do we really? Yeah, need that? because it is it is a volcano. Well, yeah, but do we like what? <laughs> po- where are we using this? What? Help me out! Help me out! I don't understand. <laughs> I think the Vesuvio. I don't know. I feel like all this pasta can be used just in soups. Soups, that's it. Well, it is still uh, soup and stew season here. I don't know. Are we here for this? Are we? I can't tell if we're here for this or we're not here for this. Yeah, I I don't know. But the Vesuvio, uh, is, it is a shape that is being made and bring it also to the States too. Okay. All right. Well, I, I feel like we're on the fence. I feel like we're on the fence with the new shapes. Yeah, I just I just have to go go to your restaurant and try your pasta. I th- I yeah. think is what is where we need to leave that. <laughs> America's oldest cheese shop is closing after struggling to make its twenty three thousand seven hundred fifty six dollar a month rent. 
Have you heard about this? I heard of it. Yeah, I read about it. It's sad. It is sad. Have you been? I haven't been. And now I cannot go anymore. Well, you can. It's not <laughs> It's not closed yet. But like maybe this is the reason it's closing, that, Sylvia, because you're, che- you're not getting your cheese. <laughs> and I use a lot of cheese. I'm sure you do. Um, so in New York City's Little Italy lives the oldest cheese shop in America, Oliva Dairy, home to freshly sliced melt-in-your-mouth meats, creamy hazelnut, cannolis, espresso sodas, and mozzarella made fresh daily along with 30 distinctive cheeses. And because of the wrath of COVID-19, they just haven't been able to keep up with the rent and the back rent. And now they're being forced to close. This is a cheese shop that has been open um, for 130 years. Wow. Yeah, they have... They have lived through countless New York City disasters, counting 9-11, SARS, and Hurricane Superstorm Sandy. Um, yet COVID-19, COVID-19's impact on the family-owned and operated business imparted lasting consequences, including about $628,000 in back rent. It's, it's insane. It's sad. That's sad. It is sad. It is sad. You know... Um, I grew up here in New York City, born and raised. I live in Times Square in a beautiful 120-square-foot closet. <laughs> um, and one, I love this city to death, all right? This is, my, this is my home. But my one gripe with this city is that this is not a city of preservation. This is a city of we don't care, knock it down, and let's put, yeah. put something bigger and better up. And uh, when you see some of the old buildings, especially because I live in Times Square, some of the old buildings that used to be here that were stunning, you know, that they've torn down just to put some ugly metal thing up or, you know, or I don't know if necessarily the city could get involved in like something like this and preserving something like this. Um, But why isn't there? My question is, and I don't know if there is, um, I haven't done that research, but like, I feel like there should be like some sort of like organization that city run that like helps preserve these like staples you know this is like unique to new york this is like a destination place right yeah even more about because little italy is basically disappearing from manhattan so yeah little italy and chinatown and the flower district all disappearing yeah so that's that's the thing is like that's kind of like a historical thing it's like all this stuff is like, why don't you want to help and, and keep these things going? Yeah, it's 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 what <clears throat> makes New York iconic, right? It's these like yeah. small places that like you can get these like specialty things that like don't exist anywhere else. I mean, cheese is cheese. Like, yes, we can get fresh mozzarella, uh, mozzarella like made anywhere. But like this place yeah. doing it. In it's this its, family. It's a family yeah. owned thing. Yeah, I know. I I went to Arthur Avenue for the first time last week. Also iconic, also iconic Italian. Yeah, little Italy, and I I was just curious, and it was, and it was crazy. It it was a, a great experience, and it's like, and that's what reminds me the first time I came to the states, and I went to the little Italy 
in Manhattan. Yeah. So it um, is sad that this same feeling is just disappearing from Manhattan. Yeah. What did you eat on Arthur Avenue? Uh, I got I got a pizza. <laughs> Mm. And then I went to this bakery and they were selling taralli. So I got the taralli. What is taralli? Uh, taralli, it's a kind of like a, a a bread made in Puglia. But it's oh. not, it's like crunchy. So it's like a, it's a dish, it's like a round. Yeah. And the only, like the lady in, in Puglia, they would just make it by hand. Oh. And so basically it's kind of like how you make a bagel. So like you boil it first. And then you bake it, but instead to like stay soft like a bagel, then they dry it out. So it's like crunchy. Oh, oh, now I want that. Oh my goodness. Have you been to that sandwich shop that's opened near me here in Times Square, Ale Antico? Oh, Antico Vinayo? No, I didn't go there yet. Oh my God, it's so good. Oh, good. It is delicious. And I've been twice since they opened and I can't I I would be as big as a house I can't go there because it's just so delicious all the bread all the meat all the cheeses is there a line all the time all the time yeah I don't like lines (laughs) but um you know what if you go if you go during like when you can't go before a show like Right before theater time yeah. is like the busiest Crazy. time. So if you go like at a weird time, yeah, then it's not busy. But you you can't go at lunch, you can't go at dinner, and you can't go before a show. But like if you go at an off hour, if you're having yeah. like a late lunch or something, that's when that's when you can get in and get out. Uh, but it's so delicious. Oh my god, that bread alone, the bread alone is fantastic, and the sandwiches are as big as like. <laughs> a cinder block. They're massive. You know which other place I, I've been and the sandwiches are delicious. It's Where? actually in upstate New York and it's called Rossi and Sons. I had the best sandwich of my life. It's so good. You know, um, not an Italian sandwich, but there is Mission Sandwich just opened not that oh. long ago in Williamsburg. Have you seen them? No. Mission They're doing- Sandwich. They're doing um it's San Francisco style, so they're doing Dutch crunch bread. Oh. Oh my god. We have to go. <laughs> I'm dying to go. The Let's sandwiches go. are Let's also go. <laughs> I, I will I will hold you to it. We will go. Yeah. Just DM. <laughs> Definitely. We are <laughs> wait, how did we get from cheese shop to sandwiches? <laughs> I don't know. We are not here for this cheese shop uh, closing. <laughs> Uh, hopefully they find a new space and they can last for another 130 years um, in Little Italy. And last but not least, this state has the most expensive pizza in America with pies going for almost $27. It's insane. Well, do, you, do you know what state it is? New Guess York? what's... No. <laughs> Uh, no. no, but that's my that's my argument with this article. And shout out to Food and Wine, who I keeps me up to date on all my food news, even though they're still not a sponsor. Five years later, um, <laughs> you know, I'm not bitter or anything. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, it's not New York. Guess a, a random state in America that is selling pizza pies for twenty seven dollars. Cheese pies. Cheese pie. Well, New York is the obvious. Well, what about California? No, it's Oregon. 
Oregon. Oregon. No way. And this is my gripe because I, listen, right now, right, <laughs> I am pulling up my seamless, right? Let's pull up the seamless. Yeah. And I'm going to say, oh, look, Corner Slice. Corner Slice is a delicious pizza sh- uh, shop in uh, Gotham West, that Gotham West market down on 11th Avenue. All right. View menu. All right. Uh, cheese, cheese pie. A cheese pie goes for $28. Yeah. Eight slices, 10 by 17. So I don't know where this um, thing comes out to. A pepperoni pie, $32. Insane. But wait, so it's $32, right? It's fine. Like, then I hit add to bag, view order. By the end, by the end, it is $40. Yeah. Two ninety nine delivery fee, a dollar service fee, three dollars twenty cents for tax, and then it's forty dollars. And then if I add a twenty percent tip, that's another eight dollars. So forty eight dollars for a pepperoni pie. Yeah. What? Crazy. So this was this came out on National Pizza Day, which was February 9th. And the Slice app, it's a, it's a pizza ordering app, released its annual Slice of the Union report. And um, from almost 19,000 independent pizza shops, it determined that the average cost of pizza can differ up to $14. Okay, they're doing averages here. All right. Yeah. So the same pie, um, the most expensive pie was in Oregon on average, okay, was $26.94, followed by Washington at $23.34, Illinois at $22.52, Alaska at $21.74, and Colorado at $21.23. Where is New York? Not on here, right? And I don't understand why. Someone's not doing their homework correctly because I still think, on average, we're the most expensive pizza. It's because they live here and they probably forgot about it. Yeah, maybe. maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just dough, sauce, and cheese. Why is it so expensive? I don't know. You go to Italy and Margarita is $10. Oh, my goodness. I remember growing up, I, I'm going to sound like some old queen right now. Growing <laughs> up, there used to be a pizza shop we used to go to, and I think we paid 75 cents, 50 cents a slice. Right? That this makes was, sense. Yeah. And it was delicious. Like a Brooklyn slice of pizza, right? Yeah. Home of the other pizza. Home of <laughs> that pizza, not Italy. <laughs> I don't think we're here for this, but I do think that's the best way to end food news update. Look, a very Italian food news update just for you. That doesn't happen very like the stars don't align that that well <laughs> all the time. You're going to go into your restaurant today and be like, I talked to this really crazy guy today. And let me tell you <laughs> about it. Oh my goodness. Um, talk to me about Top Chef and that experience. What was like the one, the, your biggest takeaway from that experience? Top Chef was uh, just uh, a great experience. It made me grow a lot in the culinary world and also just uh, personal. Um, I went there because it was a dream of mine and it just happened. 
someone else actually <clears throat> did the interview and uh, they called me just to like, you know, talk about that person. And then they ended up be like, Hey, what about if you were gonna do it? And I was like, okay. It's like, here are these papers to fill up. I'm like, okay. And then yep, 40 pages read- of paperwork. Every week will be a new paper and I'll be like, okay. And then I got a call and I'm like, you're on Top Chef. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, but when I went there, I meet so many great chefs. And um, it's literally, I have like this family forever now. Because uh, all the people in the show, we keep like talk to each other every day or like most days. And uh, like my best friends now are people from there. And uh, I just grow so much from it, learn so many new things. Um, I don't think I would uh, travel as much without Top Chef. And I love traveling and traveling helps to be, to know more about food. Yeah, absolutely. And just put it in a plate. So um, it changed my life. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Oh, well, I don't know if you know, but we are we are sister television competition people <laughs> because I was on Netflix's Easy Bake Battle. Um, <laughs> Look at that. I'm going to go watch it after this. Oh, my God, you need to. It's yeah, great. Go to episode two <laughs> on Netflix, Easy Bake Battle, to see me battle it out. Battle <laughs> it out. <laughs> All right. And I and I throw down in the kitchen for sure. <laughs> you know, being on these shows are so interesting. And like, I don't know if you would agree, but you never know what to expect afterwards. You know, even yeah. um, your your stint on Top Chef was 2016, 2017, 2016. Yeah. 2016. Mine was last year. But um, even now, um, I just got I. And just not a lot happened, you know, but um, my favorite thing that happened is that every so often and just happened again, that people will slide into my DMs. I'll get a message request being like, I loved you. I love the representation. You really made my day. Thank you. I've been struggling. I've rewatched the episode because like your energy, this and that. People say the nicest. I, I lucked out. People said a lovely, lovely, lovely things to me as opposed to on Twitter where people hated other people, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It happens to me too. And it, it just makes you, it's fulfilling because you're like, I was just there putting myself out there and now people really understand me and, and, and see, and sees me too. Yeah. It's, it's also a, a weird experience because like you're, you're forced into this high pressure situation that you would never experience otherwise. Yeah. Right between between the time, the weird things that they put you through, production screaming at you, all the yeah. cameras everywhere, <laughs> and you're like, "What?" You know? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a different experience. See you in that episode, and then you'll be like, "Yeah, it was way more than what you've seen over yeah. there." Yeah, right. You filmed for hours and hours and hours, and yeah. all of a sudden, you were like, "Wait, where did that thing go?" They didn't show that, you know. <laughs> so that's. You know, I love to talk to people just about like that experience too, just because it's it's such a it's such a weird thing. And now you watch TV, you watch those shows differently too, because you're like, oh god, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you start to think about it too. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah this is probably ma- what happened. Happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is probably what happened. What we didn't see was this. You know, yeah. it's so funny. Um, and just really interesting. Would you do it again? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, same. 
I I actually they asked me to do it again the year after, like top like my season came out and then the year after were like, do you want to come back? And I was like, I cannot. I need a break. Yeah, I still have PTSD. I can't. Yeah, well, do this. it's a lot. It's <laughs> it's a, it's a lot. It's so much, you know. Um, I was so opening the restaurant too. So yes, what's next for you? Uh, what's next to me? Well. I want to open a new spa. Um, and um, I don't know what's next for me. I just want to keep growing and keep sharing my love for food um, in various ways, in multiple places. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what you just reminded me about, like, sharing your food and sharing the love that you just said? Is that the reason I found you before Eric, uh, Chef Eric C., told me to reach out again was that you did um like pine nut cookies pinoli cookies for the alley forney box oh yeah 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 i did yeah because uh, eric asked me oh i love that yeah and i did um something for them too not for the box but like i did that psa video for them um for the same right before that box came out um and that's how i found you um Tell me about that experience. Uh, I it's so because I I feel like I ca- I came out after the show and then everybody see me in the show and they think one thing about me and I guess like people don't know that I'm like um, queer. So when uh, I met Eric, actually he came to a dinner of mine and uh, we met each other and then he was like, "Hey, do you want to do this thing?" Then he was like, "I didn't know you were gay." <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I guess a lot of people don't know that, but you know, I'm I'm out and about. Maybe and you so- should start wearing a button. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I am queer. <laughs> right, <laughs> just a big button, oh, like a big Q or something. I don't know. <laughs> and so th- this experience was great for me because it was actually the first time I was part of, you know, the an, an event for the LGBTQ um, community. Uh, I did also another event like a few years ago, uh, but this one was like the one that actually like put me in a place with these amazing chefs and pastry chefs. And it felt awesome to be helpful just by, you know, making cookies and just uh, helping each other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Ali Forney Center does a lot of great work helping LGBT, LGBTQ homeless youth you know, yeah. um, and providing them resources and shelter and all sorts of things. So shout out to them. And I love that. And I was sad I didn't get my, by the time I saw the box and tried to order one, they were all gone. <laughs> yeah. So um, they went really, really quickly. Well, um, I love that. I love that. And I love that uh, we got a chance to commune and be together. I can't wait. I'm going to, I got, I have to come to the restaurant now. So save me a, save me a table. Right, with the, with the and um, we must go to Mission Sandwich together. Right? Yes, because I think to do that. <laughs> right because um, I'm gonna send it to you and I'm gonna hold it to you. <laughs> give the yeah. kids, give the kids all like the handles, the website. Give them everything so they know how to find you. All right. So first of all, my sauce, my sauce. Is... Oh my god, the sauce! I forgot. <laughs> Forgive me. The sauce from our pantry, right? Yes. Yes. Um. And can I? There's no sauce. You know why I didn't talk about it? Because there's no sauce in my house. You, I, I have no sauce here. There were no jars. 
<laughs> Vad är det någonstans? Because <laughs> somebody didn't send me any. <laughs> Listen, this face may look rich, but is she on a budget? No. <laughs> I did see that. Um, tell me about the sauce, please. Yeah, my sauce is a collaboration with our pantry. So our pantry is this new company that they are trying to, you know, help chefs to make their sauce. And I was like one of the first people part of it. And I have a yellow cherry tomato sauce and a yellow arrabbiata sauce. Um, my idea was I love yellow cherry tomatoes and it's been like in my childhood. And then I came to America and their sauces are not as good. I find and, I find that like American jarred sauce is always very sweet. Yeah, it's like and sugar I, and I gar- hate, a lot of garlic. I hate sweet sauce. I can't stand Same. a sugar sweet sauce. Ugh. Same. And so the idea was that to create a sauce that actually correspond to the sauce that I eat when I'm home or in Italy. And so the ingredients is just. Yellow cherry tomato sauce, onion, garlic, basil, parsley. That's it. And chili. Mm. Like there is no other weird things in it. Mm. And so I just come out with it. And I'm very excited about this project because as I was saying, it's like the representation that I have, you know, because the sauces that are in the stores, they don't, I don't want them. Yeah. <laughs> and so absolutely. then I decided to create my own. Yeah. It's all, um, if I do buy a jarred sauce, I often have to doctor it. Yeah, you know, to take out yeah. the sweetness, to take out that sugar sweet. I'm always adding like wine and like parmesan and all sorts of other things yeah. to kind of like make it a little bolder and less sweet. When you just need to use sweet tomatoes, yeah. that's what we use. Just the uh, sweet hand-picked tomatoes from Italy. I love that. I love that. I love that. Where can we get the sauce? Uh, on uh, the website of our, our pantry, you can come to my restaurant, Larina Pastificio Vino. You can go to Arsha Cafe and Bar in Bedstay too. So um, it's ourpantry.com. You can go to, and uh, Sylvia's, Sylvia's sauce is right on the, the front page cherry yeah. tomato <laughs> arrabbiata. And yeah. some cherry tomato sauce looks delicious. Um, I hope, I, I guess my PR package just got lost in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so stupid. Don't mind me. <laughs> That's lovely. See, that's what's next for you. More A, a whole line of sauces, you know? A line. A whole line. Like Rayo's who? Like, no. Yeah. We need... <laughs> We need these sauces. Good sauces. Good sauces. Non-preservative, non-added sugar, yeah. right? Every sauces. day a new sauce is born. Every day a new sauce is born. Hello? Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs> and add it to the PR box that you're sending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. If they wanted to follow you on Instagram, where do they go? Um, as Chef Sylvia Barban, Sylvia okay. with an I, Sylvia with an I. Um, and you also have a website www.chefsylviabarban.com. Yeah. No. There we go. There we go, folks. Well, thank you so much. This has been super, super special. I am so happy to have you as part of my big gay food family now. Grazie.
Thank you for having me. Yes, I, you could. <laughs> I could listen to you speak Italian to me all day. <laughs> Amazing! In your mouth, listeners. Um, go show Chef Sylvia all the love. Go buy the tomato sauce. Oh my God! Before we close out, I I have a hard time saying goodbye, especially with people I like. Um, how do you feel about substituting real pasta for like? vegetables that look like pasta like like zoodles like zoodles or you know what i actually have been that i actually really like i uh, don't <laughs> hate me the um, the palm pasta the, the, palm the pasta. heart the hearts of Heart palm of palms pa- hearts of palm oh well i think it's fine but just don't call it pasta okay. all right <laughs> in your mouth listeners you should have seen the face Sylvia just gave me she was like really queen this is it this is how you want to end this with this bullshit <laughs> I thought you liked me you know I do like you listen I'm coming I am coming right I need I need the good seat at the restaurant okay okay you know Big where shout to out find to me I do know where to find you um, shout out uh, listen we can't say goodbye <laughs> <laughs> you and I, this is going to be a four-hour podcast to make up for me missing last week. Yeah. Um. You know what? It's it's the five-year anniversary. We're allowed. We are allowed. In your mouth, listeners, big shout-out and thank you again. Let's actually close out now to Chef Sylvia Barvan for coming on and laughing with me and sharing her story. Today has been extra, extra special. Um, if you love her, go follow her. Go show her all the love. Again, go to OurPantry.com to buy the sauces because I am sure they are delicious. And um, if you want to show me some five-year love, hello, you can go buy the merch, honey, at TheMunoz.com forward slash mouth merch. It's super cute. Other than that, have a great week. Um, A slew of an onslaught, I should say, of guests are coming at you in the coming weeks. I'm really, really excited. And other than that, five years later, all I have to say is thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth!